and welcome to Redefining Alpha, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Frida Odesson, VP of US Sales at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Hello, Bill. Welcome back to Redefining Outbound. Thank you, Frida. Excited to be here and talk some AETA stuff. Awesome. Likewise. So for those listeners that missed it, uh, there is another episode with Bill covering the SDR side of the house. And for today, Bill and I are going to talk about everything related to AE training. So very exciting. Perfect. So to kick things off, um, for those listeners that missed the other episode, uh, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Bill Peterson here at Cognizum. I'm the sales trainer and coach and work very closely with Frida. So excited to have this conversation. All right. Amazing. So I'm going to go like straight to it. Um, like I'm curious from an AE perspective and from like a company perspective, what is the benefit of in-house sales training? I know there's a lot of companies out there that are sort of outsourcing it, bringing in experts. Like why should you take training in in-house? Well, I think the in-house speaks to the fact that it's part of who you are, right? You get to know the product better. Um, you see the challenges that pop up, the things that work really well pop up repeatedly. Um, so it, I think it gives you that inside view of what's really working, what's not, you know, best practices from one rep that you can, you know, help transfer to another. So I think the, the in-house part is great. And being the trainer, you kind of monkey in the middle, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. So you become that sounding board where people can throw ideas off, ask questions. Even I can, you know, to understand different parts of the cycle better as well. Um, I, I think one of the nice things, too, it becomes a, a comfortable place to practice. It sort of becomes that safe when we have our one on one coaching sessions to you know, listen to calls, jump out of that call, be able to, you know, practice it and uh, have that understanding of the product, the use cases, the ICP um, repeatedly over and over again, I think really, um, you know, helps. And also you see the cycle, right? And you can understand where do things like the demo fit in and, you know, those types of things. So it helps you just focus more tactically by being in-house and understanding those things and be able to apply it across the board with everybody. Right, so it gives more sort of context for you to work off of and used to, to be more targeted um, in how you're training and especially on an individual level that outsider might miss out on is what I'm hearing. Absolutely, it's almost like being a coach of a team, right? You know, I know we use a lot of sports analogies, but it can apply to other things, dance, theater, things like that. You know, where you have that coach who, you know, understands specifically what you're doing and it allows you to kind of apply the different principles, you know, to everyone where they are. Someone who may be further along, some of the things they're doing well, you can use that to help some of the other reps, you know, come along or, or ramp as they go. So I, I think having that view, you're part of that team, you see it a, a lot differently than coming from, from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so important uh, that maybe money, many companies are missing when they bring out sort of the outsourcing. Absolutely. Sales training, you think they're covered, right? Yeah. Um, so 
what are some of the challenges that AE team leads, managers are facing regarding training and enablement in 2024? Sure. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from time. (laughs) Time is just, there's only so much of it, lots to get done, managing pipeline, managing people, managing the business, all that. So, you know, making sure communication stays strong, you know, between enablement and leadership, leadership in their team and, and all those pieces. You know, I think nice thing when we connect, you know, we speak from the, the same book and uh, being able to say those same things is, is very important for consistency, lack of confusion, you know, taking that team kind of mentality to it. It, you know, a, a strong message that's cohesive, I think, is very important. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest thing on the AE side is you're dealing with the full cycle. And sometimes, you know, how do we make sure we're not giving too much at once and also ensuring people are getting good at new concepts and skills? Not everyone's in the same place. So, you know, I think that's where enablement and a coach can give some of the scale to a leader like yourself and the other leaders on the team where I can help meet those people where they are in those one-on-ones and still be in reinforcing the the same message that that we're giving out there. Mm-hmm. And the last I think is you know we've talked about this it's the practice. Right? Try and do, you know, find that balance of delivery of materials. I think we do a really good job with like our learner packs and things that we do here and then taking advantage of the workshops one-on-one sessions to make sure we're really, you know, putting, you know, the money where our mouth is, right? And practicing it and getting good at it. Um, so I think that dance works really well, but it's always a challenge to make sure that's happening. Um, but I think also knowing where to stop, right? Not bite off more than you can chew and allow people to get really good at that, really understand that, and then forge ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think like just a tactical point on that, and I don't know if we uh, talked about this in the previous episode, but the way it works over at Cognizant is we have uh, essentially quarterly learner packs that are rolled out beginning of every quarter, uh, but on a monthly basis and reps need to pay sort of on that monthly basis. They're all focused within different areas that we have strategically picked our sort of top areas for us as an organization. And then those are paired with live workshops led by you and other sales trainers. Yep. Yeah. And we did discuss that. And I think it's a nice balance, right? It's the more factual stuff, things I need to know are, are in your learner packs, right? Giving you that that base knowledge. Workshops, yeah, we tie it together, but we put rubber to the road, right? We start practicing and we take real life examples or our popcorn role plays that we do, different things that, that happen you know, really getting some practice, those at bats with it and getting people comfortable with that muscle memory. Because I think a lot of it is it's muscle memory, right? You go from not knowing something, you learn something in a a learner pack or or whatnot. And then now you're trying to apply it. How do I get that practice? So I then I can get into that uh, unconscious use. So I like that, excuse me, back and forth dance between the two. Mm-hmm. Right. And reps aren't coming to that workshop hearing of something for the first time. They're already familiar. And that is just about like applying the knowledge. 
Absolutely. And, and also there are team meetings, things that we can leverage and be part of at times. A lot of times that helps foreshadow or take some of the, the burden off a live workshop so we can then focus on those actual practicing and getting people to talk, I think, share those best practices, you know, and, and give each other feedback, I think is extremely important. You know, they all look to each other and I think it builds a, a really strong team doing it that way as well. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Um, so one thing that I know many sales leaders out there are probably thinking about um, is the handoff between SDRs and AEs. Uh, right, kind of crucial infliction point in the in the sales cycle. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious from your perspective, like what sort of training exercise exercises have you seen work to ensure a smooth handover? Um, mm -hmm. Like, is it about teaching communication or taking initiative to set up those meetings? Like, what has worked here from your perspective? Yeah, and I think some of it starts tactically. You know, working with the SDR, setting that firm future commitment of what's going to happen on that next call. So everyone's clear who's going to be on that call and what's going to happen. Um, that foreshadowing of this is how it's going to go. And then I think on the actual call itself, whether it's the SDR starting it or the AE starting it, having that strong upfront contract that reconfirms what that firm future commitment is. So I think that's the you know real tactical side. Um, I've always trained to you know meet. Maybe it's not a, you know, it's we're going to get on you and me free to talk about one deal, right? But maybe I'm handing a couple off. Here's what I found last week. I'm, I'm passing over to you. But I think that the, the communication is so important, right? A, knowing certain things that are, you know, table stakes in a deal that, you know, match your, your product, your ICP, all those types of things are extremely important. But also, I think the nuances that come out when you meet and talk, right? Mm -hmm. You know, was that person really, you know, open? Did they talk a lot? Were they, did they hold back, right? Those little tactical things that don't necessarily come out in Salesforce notes, right? Mm -hmm. But that can give you uh, insight into how the, the people on the other side are. You know, are they standoffish? Are they really open? Are they really excited? those types of things, or even is someone a particular blocker? And we, you know, we know that's where some convincing needs to happen. So I think some of it, you know, there's process to it. You know, here's the things that, that the table stakes that need to be conveyed. But also I think just when you get on those little intangibles that come out can really help the AE kind of head in the right direction and start that call really strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that sort of what type of personality like are you going to deal with um like just anything else that can be prepared that's like not necessarily captured in salesforce absolutely absolutely cool um so obviously with this slower market that we're all facing right now i think one of the core trends that everyone's thinking about for 2024 and what's probably the core trend for 2023 as well uh is all related to efficiency so mm -hmm. i'm curious from your perspective like how can leaders go about efficiently training their team um, and sort of get the most out of those hours that they spend. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a story as old as time efficiency, right? I was mm -hmm. always taught, you know, whatever you can do, do it better. And then whatever you, once you do it better, then do it faster and more efficient. Right. And I think that's something important. I, I think the calendar, right. Knowing when you're going to do what, 
right? Everyone's got very busy days, especially if you're a leader who's now building this into your day. Take advantage of team meetings. Make sure you're leveraging resources around you, you know, to help fill some of those gaps where you know it's on the calendar. This can benefit the team, right, and and things like that. So I think that's important. But I think as far as if you are spending specific time with someone, you know, block your calendar. Know those are the times and you're dedicating it to it. And I would say as much as you can reuse content, content that exists, or content you've made for other folks you're onboarding as you go, reuse that, right? Stick to a plan, use those to guide you through and, and make it more manageable for you. You know, I kind of think that's where an enablement team comes in and you're kind of trying to replicate that. You know, we have a very scheduled pattern of first week of the month is onboarding, right? So we, we do the onboarding during the first week. Then we have our coaching sessions and workshops that are scheduled accordingly in the month. So to be able to replicate that for yourself as a leader, to keep yourself sane, keep yourself on track, um, also make it trackable and understand where everyone is at, I think is you know really important. Plus, it'll give you consistency if you're using your same things over and over again. It's keeping that message consistent across the board to everyone that you're bringing on the team. The team that's already there has heard those things. I think that's extremely important to, you know, be able to coach to and and train to as you go forward with someone new. So I think those are important. I think things like our learner packs, right? If you have a team, you know, here's two or three things I want them to know. Launch that every month, right? And, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, a couple LinkedIn post links or, you know, things that you found online or videos on YouTube or other things out there, you know, being able to give those to your team and scale yourself. So to try to replicate some of the process, I think is extremely important to help everyone kind of feel sane through something that can feel like, whoa, this is added burden on top of my day to day as a sales leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like one trend right now is sort of those bite sized pieces of training or the micro learnings, right? Uh, I know we talked internally about sort of, sort of TikTok learnings, right? Yeah. Um, how are you thinking about that? Like, are you working on it, like using that in practice, putting that to practice? Yeah, this is a bunch of different things we're kind of contemplating, you know, to augment and make the learner packs more scalable, um, user-friendly, modern, uh, for lack of a better term. You know, those bite-sized pieces, right? It's how we consume things today. I know, know I do in the sports world, right? It's quick hits, know what's going on, what were the score of the game, who played really well. You know, those are the things salespeople really need, right? Little reminders that, you know, can spark some thought uh, going into a deal or into a specific call. So I think, yes, looking at some of those micro-learnings, little bite-sized chunks is extremely important. And also just building in fun to a lot of the things. I know, you know, Olympics coming this year, we have a new team in France. So, you know, the opportunity to grab onto the Olympics and, you know, have some contests, have some fun. So that's something on the enablement team we're chewing on now is what can we do around the Olympics that's scalable, easy to follow, trackable, but but really fun and take take advantage of something 
you know, that that's happening in the world and is going to be very important for the people in France. Mm, I love that. Um, another sort of trend, speaking of train trends, is AI. Um, so we know that's like going to obviously play a big part. I don't think everyone knows exactly how yet, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, like how you're seeing AI fitting into the landscape of training and enablement. I can't answer that till I put a prompt in. No, <laughs> right. Um, I, I think it's time savings, right? It, it, it's a great place to get some ideas, right? That that can kind of come back a little more formed, maybe some format or, you know, you have discovery questions. A lot of times they'll come back to you. You can morph them and change them to your ICP, to your product, to the use cases that you sell to. But I think it can help give back some, how do you divide up those discovery questions, right? They'll come back in sections where it helps the reps understand where they belong, what they're trying to aim at. So I think it's a great place to get some base ideas, to get some time savings, right? And bring those ideas together. Um, I think the biggest thing is to be mindful, especially in sales where people dealing with humans, that we don't want to remove the critical thinking from it, right? I don't want it to just build, you know, you think on the SDR side, we talked about, you know, building emails and personalized emails and things like that. Great time savings, but you still need to use your critical thinking, right? And make sure you're reading it through. Does it make sense? Does it have some personality into it? Does it match who I am as a SDR and AE sending this email, right? Make sure there's some of that personality, right? Doing this podcast is part of Cognizant's personality, right? And we don't want to lose some of that fun that we have in our podcasts and the different things that we post out there. And I think that's important that it needs to match your messaging, your brand. And I think that's the the fine line between the two. It's a great place to help you get ideas, get information, and then still be reminded to apply your critical thinking as well as your emotion and, and personality into whether it's helping come up with training to get discovery questions or understand certain things or very tactical, something like building an outbound email to, to someone. But, you know, I think that, that shortens the, the get there and now focus more on the critical thinking skills of making that better and more efficient. Mm -hmm. So hopefully AI won't replace me as a host for this podcast very soon. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll Absolutely. And it's funny because we do use some of the Hey Gen stuff, right? It, it works really well. But part of it is, is, you know, that critical thinking afterwards, right? You know, watching it and then, you know, making sure is it saying what we want it to say? You know, does it have that personality that we want it to have that, you know, matches who we are as a brand? Um, so I think that's a great example of where AI saves you time in some of the creation and putting things together, but still needing to, to apply that, that critical thinking of, is this exactly how I want it to be? Mm -hmm. Um, lastly, final question, what advice would you give to sales leader, like any sales leader out there right now, uh, that might be contemplating if they should use outside um, sales training, um, or hire for in-house. Do you have any words of wisdom, 
there. I do. Uh, a, I think it's an important step. Anyone who's thinking either direction, right? You're making a smart decision. You're showing an investment in your team, in their success. Um, and I think that feels good. You know, coming here, it, it, there was like an oh, wow factor. Wow, they're giving me someone who's going to spend time with me, you know, and it's not just one time. It's, you know, a couple times a month and, and those types of things. I think it's really important. Um, and also, I think if you either way, it's where can it help you scale, right? You're, you're, you know, coming from a sales leader's point of view, right? Where and what can it offload my plate? And then what's the communication, right? That, you know, because you, you, you miss something once you offload it off your plate. How do you make sure you feel like you have, you know, some say in what's happening and it's providing what you want? So I'd say, understand this is awesome. You're going to get that time back, but also make sure you're guiding what needs to happen, especially if it's something from the outside where, you know, there may be less understanding of, say, your pricing and packaging or your rules of engagement that someone who doesn't work there necessarily know, you know, make sure you're guiding things, you know, where you want it to be. So you feel comfortable that I did get that off my plate and it's a value to you. Cool. I love that. Those are some amazing insights. Um, thank you so much, Bill, for coming on the podcast. You bet. Always great to see you, Frida, and hopefully get to do it again. Take care. Awesome. Thank you.